Hello and welcome to the first Old Time Trio podcast for 2023. Today we're going to be talking about free films that celebrate um, a milestone this year. Uh, the first one is a Disney classic. The second one is a classic musical starring Dick Van Dyke, but not the one you're thinking of. And a third one, all I have to say is, well, yippee Kaye. That's all to come on the Old Time Trio podcast. So the first film uh, that Andrea and myself will be talking about is the 1973 uh, movie Robin Hood, produced by Walt Disney Productions. Uh, it was the first, one of the first films to be produced after Walt Disney's death in the in the animation field, and of course, it's based on the classic English folk tale of the same name. It possibly has the best lineup of voice actors ever. Peter Ustinov, Phil Harris, Brian Bedford, Terry Thomas, Roger Miller, Pat Buttram, Andy Devine. The list goes on. Andrea, this film, Robin Hood, 1973, what do you think? So I think it's, it's divided 50-50. It's like it's both the best one and the worst one. And I say that because I feel like a lot of the maybe negative or less appreciated elements of animated movies in general, but especially using the adjective as it is often used, Disney, to describe a movie, um... I think a lot of the those negative things that people like to criticise about those types of movies are in Robin Hood. Part of the inspiration for this adaptation, which features talking animals, is Reynard the Fox. It was something that um, they were thinking about a few years earlier, and they've kind of combined that with this Robin Hood tale. The producer and director of this movie was Wolfgang Riedemann, somebody who worked on a lot of those classic Disney films. And it's almost surprising that, as you say, this is the negative one, but also the positive one. It's the one I have the most happy memories for. But when you go back and study it as a film, you notice that they reuse things. Uh, there's a lot of tropes that Disney's done before. And I was watching... Um, an early 60s Disney movie the other day called Babes in Toyland, which is a live-action thing. And I just happened to notice that the ending, the way it was shot and the general vibe, is very much like the ending in the movie in which we're discussing. So there is a lot of derivatives in this film. But I I love it. I think it's a great movie. Um, I think... It's one of those films that I think you can watch over and over and over again. I mean, it's just perfectly jaunty, or as we like to say, <laughs> PJ. <laughs> it's a marvellous film. It's got great songs in it. Obviously, Roger Miller is kind of leading in that, and that's during an odd period for him. Yes, indeed. I think 
when you look at it as a film, as you say, like I was saying, it's like 50-50. It's like two sides of the same coin. It's like it's both awesome and terrible because on paper, all the things you've just mentioned, talking animals used as a stick to beat Disney with and all those things that actually hadn't really happened that much in the like main animated movies that they'd made full feature movies they didn't really do talking animals all that much or all that often up to that point up to that point afterwards it's like wall to wall but um, well, yeah the only one i can think of really is 101 dalmatians yes in walt disney's time and then obviously there's aristocats after and the odd sort of character like jiminy cricket and yeah and i suppose this jungle book um which is like walt's last last one that he was properly involved in isn't it on paper everything you've just mentioned makes it sound absolutely awful you're like wait there's kind of a washed up country music star in this like what's he doing there why is he doing some of the music why does it have a bunch of old western stars in it why does it have a couple of english comedian like comic actors in it you know it doesn't it doesn't look like it should be good when you look at all this. It should be terrible. Why is there an American bear in Sherwood Forest? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's so much that should be terrible and is and yet just works. And I guess I guess maybe it's like I don't know. Is it a bit simplistic to say it's Walt's magic that was still carrying on you know it's the fact that it was made by all these people who'd already worked with him lots of times or for a long time you know a lot of years decades and it was just carrying on in his mold and you can feel it like it has despite all these weird things that don't seem to fit together and do not seem like good ideas when you say them individually out loud yeah I think it feels authentic in a kind of a way and it just fits and actually it's just a really fun film like it's got some really catchy tunes we quote it all the time yeah i was you... about to say it's, it's incredibly <laughs> quotable it is absolutely quotable and you know the most useless quote from that that i'm always saying for no reason whatsoever is solid gold herb caps like it has no <laughs> relevance outside of that movie in any conversation ever <laughs> well no like the occasional conversation with a family member we're like pj right but other than that um yeah i i say solid gold hubcaps a lot i feel like there is another one i mean pretty much every line well, I think a lot of them, you know, are Peter Ustinov or Phil Harris lines, let's be honest. And it was their readings of them. I mean, they were just so funny, both of them. And their readings for for voice work, for voice acting, for animated movies was just on point every time. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> just so funny. Um and hilarious as a kid, like that is one movie that works on so many levels as a kid. Yeah. And then you watch it throughout growing up, through like your teenhood. And it's like a guilty pleasure that you're like, well, this is a Disney film. I shouldn't like this. And you go through all that with it and you still love it. And then as you grow up, you realize who all of these people are who are acting in it. And 
is just like it remains as awesome as it ever was i mean we're talking about the up parts of it i think the only negative for me is when it goes into the love story um that always slowed it down for me and it made me want to fast forward (laughs) because it's like you know the kids are cute and the maid marion (laughs) thing is cute and the scottish nanny is cute but it felt sometimes like two different films does it still make you want to fast forward when you watch it as an adult though not really no do you feel like it fell into the same trap as i'm doing air quotes here girl films for you (laughs) as a kid like little mermaid and stuff like that where you didn't want to watch it because it was perceived as a girl film that's tough to say is like similar territory maybe that's tough to say i mean that's how we thought i think in the 90s yeah you know, gendered like that. I think it's a bit more open these days. But watching it as an adult, um, yeah, I, I do find myself thinking that the, all of this is there for a reason now. Yeah, and it just works even though it shouldn't. So that is Robin Hood. That's available on Disney+, Plus, obviously, and occasionally on Amazon Prime for some reason, which makes me think that they don't respect that one quite as much as the uh, the the more kind of prestigious films from early on they're like yeah you can have robin hood whatever i'm just gonna do this yeah it's it's a real (laughs) shame it's a real shame you don't see it on tv anymore either and when whenever they do montages um of their best stuff robin hood tends to get left out of it which is a real shame and i realize it's because on youtube uh, they often point out the fact they reused animation. They were reusing it because it's part of Walt's legacy. And, you know, f- things that came along during the same decade, things like Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, uh, was made up of stuff that had already been made. You know, it was just a mode that they were in at the time yeah. to and get through. It was being made by the people who had worked on all those things for a really long time. So they all had styles too. So Definitely. Well, let's move on now to a musical starring Dick Van Dyke, but not the one that you may be thinking of. Uh, You may be thinking of Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins. Um, (laughs) But the the (laughs) musical that we're going to be talking about is the 1968 musical fantasy film directed by Ken Hughes with a screenplay co-written by Roald Dahl and Hughes. Uh, loosely based on Ian Fleming's book of the same name, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. (sighs) This film is a masterclass to me because I grew up on this film. This film is literally my childhood, and I grew up in the 90s. Uh, This has a mixture of people in it, mostly from British cinema and television obviously van dyke is in it as we mentioned uh sally ann howes lionel jeffries uh benny hill makes an appearance at one point as the, the toy maker uh james robertson justice who we've talked about at length previously chitty chitty bang bang has no faithfulness to the book whatsoever but this is a point where i say who cares Right, I remember listening to a radio adaptation of the book and thinking this has nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> you know, they just they obviously just went, "It's a car, it flies," but it doesn't really fly. Because, sorry, spoiler alert, but I'm sure you've seen this 
what, 55-year-old film by now, <laughs> um, it doesn't actually fly. It's all a fantasy, which as a kid I did not understand. No. It's like, how on earth did they end up back there again? Yeah. And then when you watch it as an adult, you're like, wait a minute. They didn't really go. <laughs> it was all just basically a dream. <laughs> they didn't really go to Bulgaria and... <laughs> You know, they didn't really encounter any of these things and Lionel <laughs> Jeffries wasn't captured. And I know. That seriously baffled me as a kid. I was always like, I don't understand. Have we, like, recorded it wrong? Have we missed a bit of the movie? Was there a commercial break and then, like, it just didn't you know they just missed part of the movie it didn't record it properly or something because there's that's very odd how they've gone from there to there and suddenly we're back in you know rainy old england again or whatever it's like huh yes, yes. It, it's a confusing <laughs> yeah, thing it is. but really that doesn't take away from the magic of it as a kid does it no i mean there's so many great moments in this film it runs over two hours and yeah. it has a bit of everything. And I often put this film alongside some of the best musicals of all time. And not yes. just for my own bias, because there's a lot of sequences in there that could have been written 10, 30 years prior. Yeah. Um, people like Busby Barclay could have choreographed some of this stuff. Um, obviously, the music was written by the Sherman Brothers, yes. who wrote a lot of the songs for it, if not all of them. And... The, the music in this is catchy. I mean, poor them having to write a song called Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> and then Dick Van Dyke et al. having to sing it. <laughs> and then having to mime it. Yes. Can you imagine syncing that up? <laughs> chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Imagine syncing that up in, in the days where they'd have to, like, you know, play it from somewhere and, like, sync it up in the film afterwards. I mean, it's awful, isn't it? Um, there's a lot of, again, a lot of quotes and phrases <laughs> from this film that I think have just gone into the vernacular of uh, of popular culture. Uh, you use the phrase lolloping a lot, and I think it's because <laughs> yes, of it this is. movie. It's grandpa. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know. And even our two-year-olds like, I want to lollop around. <laughs> <laughs> and he hasn't even seen the movie yet, which I own on Blu-ray, and it's always on TV over the festive period. Uh, so if you've never seen it, please do see it, because it's, it's a great movie, even though half of it is a fantasy. And again, there are moments where it kind of slows down. I'm not quite sure we needed um, an introspective, slow song from Sally Ann Howes, but I guess it gives her a chance to shine. I mean, yeah, you don't get Sally Ann Howes without letting her have her own, you know, vocally impressive number, do you? It's like they wrote the song and then went, so what can she be doing? And she's playing on a swing or something? <laughs> that is pretty bizarre, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I think the picture that goes with the, the uh, vocal is maybe a little indulgent. I can I can give you that. I mean, the the other songs in this movie, because there's so many of them, the, the up from the ashes the throw the roses of success with basically every older person <laughs> yeah. from britain well, i mean older ish i think they're pretty much not ancient just in gray beards aren't they <laughs> and <laughs> classic british again <laughs> this is a weird one because i often wonder what do people in america think of this movie because it's very british 
Um, obviously, it's written originally by by Ian Fleming, who created James Bond. Uh, it's set in the, in England, but somehow uh, learning from past mistakes, Dick Van Dyke doesn't attempt an English accent, <laughs> no. and yet his children are like, "How now, brown cow?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that did trouble me a little bit as a child when I got to a certain age. Like, how come he's American and they're English? And like, what happened? <laughs> well, especially as the first person you meet as an uh, who's an adult is is Desmond Llewellyn yes. in the Bond films. Yeah, like it's a great course. car. Yeah. It's like it's really British. <laughs> yeah. And then we met with Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. And his crazy inventions. Oh, uh, but so cute. It's funny, the other day we were watching um the Rosie O'Donnell oh, YouTube yes. channel. Don't uh you know, don't at us or anything. We we were just interested because she was interviewing Dick Van Dyke about twenty-five years ago and he sang the U2 song from that movie and he was doing all the actions and everything. Yeah, he was doing that little finger point little move that he does in the movie, and I was like, Oh, I'm tearing up. And it's one of those movies. It's very long, and I do wonder if children these days could sit through it, but there's enough in there, I think. I think so. I do remember it feeling like a little bit of a slog as a kid. I, I think I loved every minute of it, but at the same time, um, I think I remember the sensation of like, wow there's a lot to this isn't there like you've got the whole like there's so many long sections it almost feels like several movies put together when you're a child i think again because of like the in and out of the fantasy um element of it so it is quite in some ways it's kind of jarring but i think i think that is only as a child i think when you watch it as an adult it flows perfectly and it's all it all makes perfect sense i think just when you're a kid the pacing and the the fantasy you know against the reality is a little puzzling but having said that like i said it really doesn't take anything away from it i found it a magical film as a kid i loved it you had to sing along with the songs there were bits that you found really funny as a kid. You know, I mean, you can't beat a car accidentally driving into a lake and the lady getting cross. I mean, that's hilarious, isn't it, when you're like six? <laughs> I, I guess so. I guess so. Maybe the following line or whatever it is, one of the lines in the movie hasn't exactly travelled well. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke's, well, uh, if women want to operate motor cars, they, <laughs> they should, should learn, learn to, to operate, operate them, them correctly. correctly. <laughs> it's like, oh, no. <laughs> No, Dick, why did you do this? Oh, yes. Well, I mean, I think even as kids, though, we laughed at that like, huh, you can't say that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, let's let's give one more shout out to Lionel Jeffries, oh, who, yeah. who does that, that weird scene in his little shed thing. I never quite understood. Well, where he's dipped in and out of the sea, you mean, because he's being, like, suspended by the airship thing. Yeah, like, what's <laughs> happening there? I mean, no wonder this is a fantasy, and he's having his little sing-song. I um, think what you can say is maybe you can, I guess, yeah, I guess as a summary to kind of be a blanket over everything that seems a little bizarre or a lot bizarre is... 
the screenplay was co-written by Roald Dahl. Yeah. Like, do we need any more, really? <laughs> I mean, that is something to, to ponder with this, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we hopefully may come back to it but um if not we had our chance and we probably muffed it <laughs> at this point so that's chitty chitty bang bang that's available on blu-ray dvd basically anywhere it's now owned by amazon by the way so occasionally it does turn up on prime so the third film that we will um, be focusing on today is the 1988 action film directed by John McTiernan, based on the 1979 novel Nothing Lasts Forever Ever by Roderick Thorpe. And uh, it stars Bruce Willis. It's Die Hard. First time watching it for me. And I have spent the last basically 10 15 years of my adult life avoiding this movie <laughs> one because i'm not a huge fan of action movies two i've seen bruce willis in a couple of things his more family friendly fare and i wasn't impressed and three it's a bit like it it's so ingrained in popular culture that i almost didn't want to sully this this thing i thought no i'm not going to like it because it's die hard you know i'm programmed not to like it and then one day i sat down at like half past 10 at night and just went, i'm going to watch this on disney plus which is a very strange place for it to be but uh you know mergers and such and i actually liked it which really surprised <laughs> me extremely surprised me i know it's been a while since you you saw it because you you didn't watch it with me but you basically grew up watching this film it's on every christmas yes it is a christmas film don't <laughs> at me don't argue i've watched it once and i can see that they mentioned christmas eve or whatever several times and it seems to have a bearing on some of the plot points. So therefore, it is a Christmas film. Anyway, happy January. What do you think of <laughs> Die Hard? Well, I guess I, as you mentioned, I kind of bring the other side um, to things, to the opinion party, I guess, um, <clears throat> on this one, because I probably watched it at much too young an age i mean okay not probably definitely um i think a lot of people did <laughs> questionable choices of what we watched in the 90s let's be honest um but yes i watched it as a family as if it was a cute family movie when i was i don't know probably eight um for the first time you may have seen the tv edit which oh, basically sure. edits out all the f words I mean, it edits out the bad language but it doesn't really edit out most of the violence and the guns and explosions and the uh let's say the intent behind everything is still very much there in the edit that i saw um and i knew it wasn't for me i think watching it then and I think if I were to watch it now, if I had watched it with you the other day, I probably could appreciate more about it now. I have seen it, I think, as an adult, but probably not for like 10 years or something. So I almost have over-familiarity, and yet I'm sitting here thinking, 
do I remember enough about it to talk about it? I think I've kind of blocked it out of my mind because wow. it's one of those things where I, I saw it so much, I didn't need to think about it anymore. Well, let let me fill in some of the gaps uh, for yourself and, and uh, my dear listeners. I'm sure you've all seen it by now. If you haven't, turn off the podcast and go and watch it because I really enjoyed it. Uh, basically, it's a police officer from New York who finds himself in L.A. and finds himself in a situation where there are terrorists in a building where his wife is, and he basically has to take them down one by one. And it's it's marvellous. I couldn't believe how funny it was. And I think it's because I'm seeing it for the first time as an adult. And you hear lines, you know, I've been saying yippee-ki-yay for years without actually realising <laughs> what any of it means. And then when you watch it in the context of the movie, you're like, that's really nothing, is it? That's absolutely nothing. Like he's on the he's on a walkie-talkie or something with Alan Rickman and he just he just backs for a door going, yippee-ki-yay, mother effer, whatever. And then you're like, but that doesn't, he's just signing off whenever people reference it it's before they're about to shoot somebody or yeah. or something like that they and, make it seem like it's this really massive moment don't they and, and actually it's nothing alan rickman does it at the end of the movie but it's kind of like wait a minute dude you've had all this stuff happen to you and and your your crew uh by the hands of this guy and that's the thing you choose <laughs> to 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 end on or to try and end on and i was on the edge of my seat i loved every minute of it those action sequences came one after another after another and 10 15 years previously that movie the action sequences there would have been one one of those sequences at the end of a movie whereas this was just like it's the 1980s let's just go crazy with the amount of of explosions and things i loved that moment in the film where he's got some explosives and he basically throws it out of the window and he's like take this or something <laughs> and then the entire side of the building starts to you know catches fire <laughs> because this fire sort of flares up and he's like, oh, SH1T. Um, and it runs in the other direction. And I just thought that was hilarious because I did not see that coming. And you can see why the the police, who were kind of depicted as incompetent, especially once you get the FBI involved, and they're basically like, well, let's let's just go in and and shoot them. And it's like, it's not quite that that easy. And they're basically blaming John McClane for making it harder. And it's like, dude, he's making it easier. I really enjoyed this. I thought it was really good. I loved the relationship between McLean and um, Al, the policeman, played by Reginald Val Johnson. There were so many things to like about this movie. And from my point of view, bring on Die Hard 2. That's what I say. <laughs> I think, to be honest. Have they made one? <laughs> <laughs> Have they made a sequel? Um, <laughs> let's not talk about those um yeah i think maybe i think hearing you talk about it has made me realize from a fresh perspective actually how good it probably is i think there's two things that 
that kind of make me unenthused I suppose about it and that is that I kind of think I was just desensitized to it from having seen it so young and it just became one of those movies that was trotted out quite often as a family movie to watch together so obviously everything kind of loses its edge then doesn't it when you've seen it too many times and two talking about the sequels I think in my mind over time I can never remember which bits were in which sequel and I've seen Die Hard and then two of the sequels the proper ones basically before they went let's see if we can get another one personally I would say that Die Hard 2 is not bad from what I remember I wouldn't go as far as 3 personally like if if you're a fan kind of stop there and let it stay great in your mind but um I think I've forgotten over time which which movie all of these bits as it were all of the sequences and lines and all of that stuff were in and then I think you talking about having watched the first one has made me remember, oh wait, all those bits that were kind of the good stuff, they were all in the first film. <laughs> so maybe the first one is actually better than I remember because it's got a real concentration of good stuff. And it's made, you know, with Alan Rickman as well, yes. who brings that intensity. I'd only really seen him in a couple of movies, obviously the Harry Potter series. <laughs> Um, but I'd only seen him in a couple of movies and he brings this kind of intensity yes, definitely. Uh, to that movie. And I can see why people watch it every year. I can see why it's a, a popular thing. Uh, it is worth noting that they asked pretty much every action star in Hollywood before they got to Bruce Willis, because up to this point, he'd only really done, he'd done like a movie earlier that year, which was a bit of a flop. And he'd been in Moonlighting, which is a different kettle of fish altogether. Certainly. Um, and they asked everybody, but as you probably already know, the first person they asked was Frank Sinatra because <laughs> the book was a sequel to um, to another book which was based on a film. You know, there was a film based on that book. Uh, starring Frank Sinatra in the late 60s. And basically, John McClane is is uh, a fabrication where they've had to change it from the first movie and all that sort of thing to make it different because they, they obviously felt like, well, we have to ask Frank Sinatra because this is technically a sequel, <laughs> even though eventually it has nothing to do with it. <laughs> I mean, Frank Sinatra is John McClane. <laughs> That's a different movie, isn't it? That yes. is a different movie. I think anyone who has seen uh, any kind of documentary reference to this film knows the fact that you have just said. Um, and it is pretty hilarious when you think about it. I mean, what a movie that would be. I think it. <laughs> oh, goodness. I mean, we were. I was watching the other day Von's, Von Ryan's Express from the mid 60s. And it's one of those war movies where. Um, there's a lot of talking, maybe a couple of action sequences in the entire movie, but there's a lot of talking. And there was a scene where Frank Sinatra was crawling through an air vent. And so when I was watching Die Hard, I was like, well, maybe if they'd made this in 1965, um, he would have been able to have crawled through the air vent, but it just would have been a little bit talky and a little bit less and blind which i don't think he would have done on screen i don't think no, that would have been i don't think that he would have um 
I don't think he would have gone through with a film like that, certainly. I mean, obviously, certainly not by the time they actually made Die Hard and he was like, you know, cuddly old man territory. But actually, if you look at it, oddly, yeah, I mean, the... I guess the comparison that you can make between Sinatra and Willis is kind of like this kind of air of confidence, like the, the, uh, oh, I had the word then, um, the sort of swagger, I suppose, that they both have had, um, which people wouldn't have expected Willis to have had at that time. Well, I don't know. I guess he just, I think when you see Moonlighting having already seen Die Hard, you can see where it all came from and it's not too big of a leap. Obviously, I think people at the time before Die Hard came out were a bit like, what this wisecracking sitcom-y guy, like he can't do an action film. But if you if you watch Die Hard, they used an awful lot of that to cut through the action. So it has it's endured and become that film that people watch every christmas because it's got that much more comedic element to it so it's not it's not a comedy but it's got it's got the wisecracks a bit like james bond let's say where it's an action film it has quite a lot of gore and a lot of guns and a lot of seriousness and violence but it also has those little wisecracks those little tongue in cheek remarks and yeah, I think it's a similar, it's a similar um, kind of vibe almost to Bond, but like cracked up to 11, you know, to reference another film. Very much so. Very much so. That is Die Hard. That's available basically on TV all year round. Uh, Disney Plus, probably ev everywhere else. I mean, th this is a 20th Century Fox movie. It's celebrating uh, its 35th anniversary this year. And it looks like they may be putting moonlighting on as a way of celebrating that 35th anniversary. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. I don't know any further details on that, but I'd be very interested in seeing it after watching this movie. And yeah, as I've said before, I'll wait for Die Hard 2 um, <laughs> whenever that gets released. Um, you say it's already okay it's already out there that's on disney plus as well this is a strange world isn't it <laughs> that's another movie um right let's end it right there um <laughs> uh thanks very much for for uh tuning into old time trio brought to you by oldtimereview.co.uk uh, please do rate, comment and subscribe on your favourite podcast provider and we shall see you next week where we'll be, we will be enthusing about three more classic movies. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye for now.